This episode of Uncontrolled Airspace is made possible by the support of our generous listeners. For over seven years, we've been thrilled to enjoy the financial support and useful feedback of our awesome listeners. For information on how you can join the conversation in our forums, put something in the UCAP tip jar, or even become an underwriter of a UCAP episode, visit the UCAP homepage at uncontrolledairspace.com. Clear. But it's just airplanes, so it's not, it's it's, not really no this is This is the best seat in the house. It's, it's got a runway in the front yard. <laughs> hey, a couple of years ago, the uh, FAA changed some of their air traffic controller terminology. They, add, they added that whole uh, uh, lineup and wait thing. And did you hear now they've added yet another new piece of terminology to the ATC vocabulary? It's, it's just kidding. Just joking, yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. All right, did you see this story? This is nuts. Psych. Yeah, psych, right. <laughs> so what is an airliner on final? Uh, what kind of airliner was it here? I'm looking for the story here. A triple seven. Uh, a triple seven. A, triple seven, a, uh, a, uh, a uh, Oh, really low-cost operations. Airport I know, really. Oh, yeah. A Delta triple seven was on short final to uh, what airport here? Atlanta Hartsfield. Atlanta, All right. Yeah. Was on short final Atlanta Hartsfield. All right, and the controller said, go around, okay? And and so the crew started the go around. They reconfigured the airplane. They did the things that they have to do in order to go around. And after they were well into this procedure, the the according to the story, the uh, the, uh, it's the I'm reading from a story on iaveweb.com. Uh, the crew had already initiated the go around when the controller canceled the original order and again cleared them to land. Tower tapes revealed the controller was joking when he ordered the go around. Quote: I'm kidding, Delta six three zero. After you land, I've got no one behind you. Expect to exit right. Um, so I, you know, I don't know. Did you, have you, either of you guys actually listened to the uh, audio on this? I have not. Um, no, I have not. I, I, I want to hear the tone of voice. I don't quite understand how this could conceivably happen. What the heck? What are you uh, hearing through the grapevine? I, I, I heard, I heard a little snippet of the audio and, yeah. uh, the, the lag time between, you know, uh, go around and just kidding was sufficient that, for an aircraft that runs at that landing weight, you don't just reconfigure and power up and pitch up and in in no time like you can say with a Debonair or right. Comanche or yeah. one seventy two, uh, and you got a lot of inertia behind you there. Uh, yeah, <laughs> no, it sounds to me like the pilots did exactly the right thing. And, oh you know, yeah, absolutely. You know, they did literally what they were instructed, and and then when they couldn't do what they were instructed, which was to cancel the the go around, they they said, nope, sorry, we're going around, and and so they did. They continued the go around, and then they came back in and landed successfully the next try. So uh, that part yeah, of it was fine. But what is this controller thinking? I, it just like boggles my mind. <laughs> well, I think when uh, never the, mind you know, the pilots turn this in. And uh, and uh, and file their paperwork and ask that the tape be held and you know that there's not going to be one of them come back later and go oh we were just joking yeah that's, yeah that's okay I don't know you know I mean I'm totally speculating here but it's like the controller made a mistake and instructed the go around and then realized his mistake and tried to cover it by by just kind of jokingly saying I'm kidding just kidding that's what it sounds like to me um, for some reason. And I'm, you know, give the controller the benefit of the doubt. He felt as if he had a legitimate reason to order a go around. Right. Yeah. So that part of it, I think, sounds legitimate and okay. But then trying to backtrack it and cover it up, uh, yeah, no. Yeah. 
Has there been any more? You know, embrace the horror and, and, (laughs) I know, know, right. (laughs) You know, Delta, Delta, whatever, uh, really sorry. I, I'm, I'm, I misspoke. Um, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're, you cleared number one for the runway when you come around. Embrace the inertia. Yeah. Yeah, Embrace, (laughs) yeah, right, exactly. So embrace the inertia. They're already reconfigured. Uh, let them go. Just be glad that Delta probably won't be able to bill you for the fuel. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. Have you heard any follow up on this? Did the controller get in much trouble? A reeducation, or I don't know what. You know, um, reeducation is such a. I know, I know. It's, it's, it's so fraught with all kinds of connotations. I know. Well, you know, <laughs> but you know what I mean, right? That's. I mean, that, that's one of the things I like about Addition, F- additional training. Additional training, right? Training. Yeah, and and no, and I'm not. I mean, I, I think that's a good way to go in most of these cases. I, I, you know, I, you know, a little refresher. Yeah, I mean, there's a tendency in our society to like, you know, punish everything with, you know, the, you know, the death penalty, right? The or the supervisor could call him in and go. Okay, clean out your station. Right. Grab your headset. You're done. Yeah, and that's Oh no, man, that's just kidding. We've got you set up for a disciplinary hearing though, so Yeah, no, and that kind of thing. I mean, I don't know the whole story here, but it that feels like that would be ex- excessive. Um, you know, this firing? Uh yeah, probably. Yeah, so it depends on what his records like. Right. I mean, that's what I mean. This, we don't know the whole became story. notorious for yeah. uh, you know, the 21 the the Boeing 21 salute. Right. Seven pro- plus seven plus seven. I'm just guessing, but he probably won't be jump seating on Delta anytime. Yeah, well, there's that. <laughs> there's that. Yeah, right. Okay. Hey, listen, welcome, folks, to uh, Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast. I'm Jack Hodgson, uh, coming to you from uh, uh, beautiful and sophisticated southern New Hampshire. I don't know what now, that means. I don't know what that means. Go ahead. Yeah. But before we leave this, you oh, yeah. put, put in here about the last sentence in this article. Oh, oh, that's right. I did. I, oh, yeah. I'm sorry. You're right. Um, what is the last sentence? It says, oh, it says, it's the latest in a series of incidents that have been reported recently involving, involving controllers and aircraft near airports. I wasn't aware that there was, this was, a, that this was you know, a thing. Are you? I, I the, the sentence... Raises all kinds of questions, and I, yeah, Russ Niles, who wrote this, is a friend of mine, and and, and um, he's good people and all that. I don't know what that means either. Yeah, David, do you, does it mean mean anything to you? Uh, <laughs> right now, there's so much from the general media about G8 right. that means nothing right. to me, but this is from Avweb, and I think they picked this up from, you know, maybe AP or some other local, but. I'm not sure what exactly it refers to, uh, but then, you know, it's not unusual for there to be, oh, we had an, an, a, a uh, uh, we, we broke protocol on, on proximity of traffic. It got within five miles. That goes down as, yeah, yeah. And, uh, oh, that's an incident that gets reported and put in the stats and vertical separation minimum of, uh, I think it's a thousand feet inside terminal airspace. So you get that at nine, 900 and it's like allowing for the 200 foot deviation of our mode C stuff. Oh, wow, that's another reportable thing if they're within five miles. It's like, eh, those are all incidents, but not of them, not all of them are really significant yeah, right. safety wise. So that was all I was curious about. That last sentence seemed odd, and I, 
Yeah. It, it's almost as if you know there there should be a link embedded somewhere in that sentence to some other story yeah, or right. series, yeah, series of stories, and, and maybe that's the case. Maybe they just forgot the link. Or maybe. Something. maybe. Well, the link that I'm looking at says read more on these topics. Takes us to a Russ Nile story from 2013, June of 2013, uh, and then more little articles. Uh, right. So, all with a, a, a safety somewhere in them. Well, yeah, so. safety, but not not ATC necessarily. So. Right. Yeah. So, anyways, yeah, that's all. That's all. Uh, yeah, it's me. I'm Jack, and I'm here in Southern. <laughs> Jack's Hampshire, back. Letty Fields, and uh, talking to my two good friends. Uh, one of those voices out there is uh, Dave H- Dave Higdon, talking to us from Wichita, Kansas. Hey, David, what's going on? How you doing? Doing okay. Yeah. So, uh, uh, we you were fighting with your computer this morning. We we got delayed start this morning because uh, David David's computer was misbehaving. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I have a solution, and Jeb was very helpful in helping you solve your problem. But I have an ultimate long term solution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, then I won't go there. Buy a Mac, David. Buy a Mac. I um, uh, I, I I've worked in Mac environments. I know better. Okay, we won't. <laughs> I shouldn't even brought it up. Uh, right. that, that's that's mythology right up there with the giant spaghetti monster that you know, created the universe. Talking to you guys for eight years now, you're so level headed on so many subjects, but oh well. That other voice out there is uh, my other good friend Jeb Burnside, talking to us from uh, somewhere near Sarasota, Florida. How are you doing, Jeb? I'm about as fine as frog fur. Um, um, and is that good or bad? That's good. Oh, okay. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what you what you you know conveniently uh, forget in, in all of this is uh, uh, when it's you know PC versus Mac or whatever like that. You just don't want to be part of the Borg. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they just no. This, is not, and, this could wrap up. And aren't you the one who recently, you know, kind of abandoned your iPhone? Now, see, we weren't going to talk about that publicly. <laughs> and just for the record, just for the record, I have not. What's that? Yeah, no, no, I'm not snipping this out. But I just for the record, I want to say that I have not. I categorically have not abandoned my iPhone. As a matter of fact, I'm way looking forward to the new iPhone that's coming out later this this summer. So that will be very cool. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jeb, anything else going on? What's going on with your in your world? You uh, just busy, 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 busy. Uh, here home improvement projects and what's that? Home, home improvement projects and and uh, just uh, got back from some some you know. You know uh, um, being out of town for a few days. And, yeah, your your conversation that. last episode about uh, about lubricating gear and Zerks caused quite a uh, quite it a did conversation. I have, to go, I have to go check that out. Well, Jeff um, put a great link in the show notes to uh, a whole bunch of. It turns out Zerk is actually named after a guy. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a there's a guy named Zerk. Yeah, and uh, uh, Zerk is the fitting that you uh, that that you use that, that is in in like a you know a, a joint or a whatever that you apply the lubricating gun to and squirt right. the, the goop into and right. uh the zerk fitting and uh so uh apparently it's a whole thing you know i mean it's just like right up there with you know i don't know i was trying to think of an example um you know ford and rockefeller i don't know and uh you know gates and jobs zerk is, is a real guy so go to the show notes and find that link okay. it's, uh, yeah, it's, I, I, i'm looking at the wikipedia article. Yeah. i mean i i knew that you know so i mean my my uh, rant about you know the guy who invented the grease fitting kind of thing that there was some poetic license involved. Yeah, I see. Okay. 
Anyways. Uh, so you're a licensed poetic? I, um, yeah, but I don't think it's going to be renewed when it comes up. <laughs> <Yeah. Okay. laughs> What's the old saying? Um, um, anyone who ignores history is bound to repeat it or what goes around comes around or, uh, you know, so didn't we have a story years ago during the, during, since, since we started this podcast in the late fifties, um, where, um, <laughs> somebody delivered their kid to a, 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 a kid event, like yeah, a school a event. No, no, a, a golf tournament. Right, he, he landed on a golf course. Right, it was a helicopter. Right. That's what it you was. Know, there was another episode where a, a father took, flew his son to school in a helicopter. Yeah, and and the, and the local constabulary was alerted because you know we can't have aircraft. Uh, we can't we can't actually see an aircraft. Yeah, I know, right? Because, because to see an aircraft in flight is to presume that it's going to be a terrorist attack. Or some, well, there's some, that. I, I don't know what the logic is. Yeah, so, you know, and, and I kind of vaguely remember somebody landed like a 152 or something like that on a, on a, on a uh, fairway or something. That's, maybe, that's, maybe that was the helicopter. So anyways, well, the other day, um, you know, somebody from, um, and I'm trying to figure out where this is, all right? Uh, the, the stories, the Twitter that I'm following here uh, refers to Sussex Hamilton High School. And that made me wonder if it was, if it was Great Britain um, but then the uh, TV news story that I found related to this um, had reporters that clearly were speaking in an American, you know, was not, you know, UK accented English. Um, so, uh, so I, I don't exactly know where this happened. Um, but um, <laughs> dad flew his son um, apparently to a participate in the graduate high school graduation. He flew his son and they landed in a big patch of grass adjacent to the high school in a, uh, in a two seat ultralight. Well, and, and actually I'm not sure if that's accurate. And that's one part of my question here, but it's, two well, it's, seat, a, it's a quicksilver. It is a quicksilver, off. a yeah. two seat quicksilver. All right. And um, everybody's, you know, of course everybody's in all an uproar because you should, you know, oh my God, this is recklessly dangerous. And it's just amazing that hundreds of people didn't die kind of tone to these stories. All right. Well, you um, know that you remember the, you, you remember the tragedy in, uh, in, in a uh, uh, interior part of Europe a few years ago where a, a 150 crashed violently into a cemetery and they were, uh, they were days uh, before they realized that after 200 bodies that most of them weren't from the airplane. Yeah, I know. So, uh, so Dad flew his kid in, and uh, and apparently the, the police came from every direction. The news story shows like three or four or five police cars. <laughs> Dad flew his kid in, and everybody lived. <laughs> yeah, and uh, um, and the news story keeps referring to the fact that he got cited somehow for get a citation for breaking some sort of law. Um, they weren't real clear on what it was. Um, so the, one of the interesting things about this whole story is the news story then showed Dad flying himself and the kid. Out of this field. I mean, they, they, so it was like not such a big thing that they weren't prepared to let him take off from this field. Right? Maybe it was a twofer. You know, for every one free ticket, you get a sec- or for every ticket you earn, you get a second one free. Yep. So you might as well use it. But they didn't let that Livermore guy fly out of the, uh, you know, field. I don't, well, actually, we don't know that. Well, that was a, well, A, we don't know that. B, that was a slightly different yeah. uh, level of security. Yeah. So yeah. here's my practical question about this um, is that, uh, uh, so the stories kept referring to it as an ultralight. And of course, we know traditionally um, Quicksilvers are ultralights. But this is a two-seat quick. Did it, David? Didn't they change the rules a while back? So there used to be this loophole where you could take somebody. Ultralights are supposed to be for one person only. That's basically the basic 103 law. Well, but the exception it, it, was for flight training. Okay, there was an exemption for very narrowly defined use of a two-place right. 
Okay. And, and definitions on what its weight and speed and stall speeds could be just uh, just to, for good measure. Right. And uh, those were grandfathered for a while after the uh, uh, light sport aircraft rules uh, were accepted by the FAA. Right. But have they, have they timed out now? Well, yeah, they've timed yeah. out. But, yeah. but, 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 yeah. There are a lot of two place quicks flying around out there that were built outside the, the training exemption by using the 51% rule and registered as experimental amateur belts. Oh, okay. Well, wouldn't that require... And I see a number oh. on the rudder there that You're I've right. not been able to get a clean read on. You're right. It has a tail so, number. And this is an MXL2, I believe, is a model number. It's a double surface wing. It's got ailerons instead of spoilers. So this is a fairly, this is a later incarnation of the MX. Okay. Uh, yep. And very common for guys to buy these as a 51% kit uh, and, you know, throw in a couple of extra instruments and a couple of things. And the FAA would say, yep, you put it all together. That was over half the work. Uh, sign you off and let you go fly off the test period. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But now, um, in that case, he can't fly under the 103 pilot rules, right? He's got to be a, 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 a right. licensed exactly. pilot. Exactly. You've got to be a licensed he can be a, he, he can be a sport pilot. You can today. Yeah. Well, originally, you had to be a private pilot, right. but today these would fall under uh, legacy right. LSA uh, right. consideration, so you wouldn't need a medical, but uh, you would still need uh, at least a sport pilot certificate. Right. So. Yeah, so this is all. It'd be curious to know. I mean, I just it would be just kind of interesting to know the true the truth behind the story because the the TV reporter, you know, it's like the big the big punchline of the story was she says she says ultralight pilots are not required to have pilots' licenses, right? You know, and she's I'm going to, and she's correct. Well, she is correct, but she's that's obviously you know but the mistake is in uh, you know, categorizing this as an as an ultralight. This is uh, one of the this is one of the very few and 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 uncommon examples where the news media media tries to uh, blow aviation into a big deal and all right we'll talk about that later on um <laughs> yeah no so this is like it was very uh, breathless man, and, i'm staying away from that straight line i just i know you all should be smiling right now and thank god we're going to come back to this out. subject a little bit later on so anyways dad flew his kid into into graduation congratulations to the kid for graduating um, I guess, strictly speaking, this is an off-field landing of the week, although it wasn't the result of a forced landing. It was an intentional landing. Well, and, yeah. my, my own, you know, I'm looking at, um, I looked at, I don't have them in front of me anymore, um, the, the news story and comments and, and all this, and the law, the law enforcement was called. Explain to me, please, what law was broken? It would have to be something local about the use of the grounds underneath the, the tires that I think was specific or maybe the all-purpose disturbing the peace. Yeah. I mean, there's any number of, of catch-alls. And, uh, but you're right, Jeb. I don't see any, you know, it would certainly be nice. No FIA, certainly no FIA regulation. Right. right. Absolutely yeah. not. And it would be nice to know that this person had, uh, um, had, you know, notified the high school or something like that, you know. but uh, Where they might stretch it is if he violated the horizontal separation standards between obstructions and people uh, since he was landing if yeah. since he was landing in an undesignated runway or something designated yeah, but it doesn't, not no that's runway. not what the rule says right that's the rule doesn't the rule say says. designated runway it just says when taking off or landing yeah 
That's true. Yeah. So I think that part's okay. Um, if it had been an ultralight, of course, then it could be a different case because there's the whole ultralight and congested area thing. Um, you know, and you might might bust him on that. But if it's not an ultralight, that doesn't even apply. So anyways. Yeah. It's it's kind of interesting, but uh, I was going to say all's well that ends well. I don't know if it all ended well, but it didn't. You know. Well, as far as we know, the the guy and his son lived to get back to where they started from, or that would have been part of the story. Yeah, no, they would have heard. Yeah, that's that's. I'm sure that was uneventful. So, anyways, right? Okay. Another video. Um, have you seen this video of this airplane landing short over the beach? The uh, that's yeah, that's a little bit. Uh, this is nah. you know everybody's going who who is you know wow isn't that entertaining? That could have been tragic in a couple of different ways. Um, so it's a, uh, an, an airport, I don't know where, but an airport, we've seen these before where the end of the runway comes. So to, to land, you land over the water, over a beach, and then the runway is pretty close, you know, soon after the beach. So you normally, I guess, must come in pretty low over this beach and then touch down where you're supposed to touch down on the runway. This particular aircraft that, uh, what was it, like an Archer or something like that? Or, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a PA-28 something. Yeah. So uh, was was way low, all right, and uh, was dramatically low over the beach. Uh, um, and, uh, and I skipped the big part, but then clipped the fence that was at the edge of the beach and then, but did manage to touch down and land successfully. Um, uh, the the really dramatic part was that um, there was a sunbather on the beach right there um, under under final. All right, and this person, I mean, like I'm telling you, the main gear must have gone around this person. I mean, yeah, it, it, it's yeah. dramatic. It's well, if you look, if there's a still on one of these links um, of the airplane just above the the sunbather, <clears throat> the shadow of the airplane and, and you know we don't know what time of day it was that kind of thing so exactly where the shadow would be but it doesn't really matter because the the airplane is close enough to the ground that the shadow is not going to be deflected very much right. and the shadow covers the sunbather the, the, the shadow oh, yeah. of the fuselage the, the shadow of the wings is forward of the sunbather the fuselage shadow covers the sunbather yeah yeah it's yeah, crazy matter of fact the spinner shadow is just beyond the guy's head I mean, yeah, and that's, this, and I, I'm going to make a call based on a lot of years behind a camera where we played with sun angle and say, this is pretty close to middle of the day. I would think so, yeah. Yeah, the sun's fairly high. Uh, there's not a lot of offset. I think you're right about the guy's body being missed because it, the tires pass on either side of him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. The nose wheel, however, might have been problematic. Well, yeah, I mean, if this person, you know, not to get too gruesome here, if this person had been sitting up and not paying attention, all right, we could have had a little catch-22 moment here. Um, well, you, well, yeah, I was thinking, you know, okay, you're laying there in the sun, you're minding your own blessed business, and you hear, the, you hear this, you know, this, this noise growing steadily louder, so you sit up and you look to see what's going on wrong bad idea yeah that bad would have been idea. a bad idea that's uh it would have been close to you at the very least would have got whacked by a, a gear or something like that and lord knows uh, what it, else. everybody in this puppy is in my opinion incredibly lucky or fortunate uh everybody in this is like also what the frack are you thinking yeah. uh that low approach I didn't see anything back out there that warranted obstacle clearance, uh, yeah. you know, coming in, dragging it in like that. 
the proof being how much he, he took out the lower cable on this cable fence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if it had been a rester cable, he, he wouldn't have had gear by the time he made it to yeah, the Yeah, I know. If it had been more, sub- more substantial fence, it would have been, yeah, or, ta- or, or it, apparently it was a low fence. It was like sort of a, a four-foot fence. If it was mm-hmm. to be a six-foot chain link fence. Right. It was a, it, it, it's a fence there meant to, tell the, meant to tell the pedestrians you're too close. Yeah. Jeb, what were you <laughs> yeah. going to say? No, it doesn't even appear to have been a four-foot high fence. It looks like, you know, maybe two-foot. Yeah. And so uh, all the more uh, amazing that he clipped exactly. the fence. Exactly. Yeah. So. And he hit the sand before he got to the pavement. Yeah. So craziness. But the, the important thing to to know here is that Dr. Nika was not on board. <laughs> okay. I'm not sure if I get that, but somebody will tell me later you, on. You're the one with the Catch-22 reference. Ah, okay. All right. There we go. Ah, now I get it. Now I get it. All right. Yeah. And it's just from Germany, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. German registration. Yeah, German registration. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't make yeah, that connection. Could be, All right. could be, you know, anywhere in Europe for that matter because they are allowed to fly around there, but... Man, yeah, no. wow, wow. So a big, and we've been kind of goofing around. This is a big story, a serious story, a very sad story. Um, that uh, so it's been, it's been actually, real life intervened, and we missed one of our regular recording um, slots, and so it's been four weeks since we recorded one of these episodes. In the meantime, there was a really, really tragic um, crash um, here in my neighborhood, down at Bedford, uh, uh, um, at uh, Hanscom Field in Bedford, Mass, where a, a, a G four. Um, crashed on takeoff. Uh, uh, at first, it was pretty mysterious. It's apparently becoming less mysterious. So the this G four was on takeoff roll, and then somewhere along the line, try apparently tried to uh, abort the takeoff, but had too much speed and went off the end of the runway and into some brush and into some trees and and crashed and burned and and everybody on board died. Um, and and when you were just looking at the preliminary information, it was pretty pretty mysterious. What the heck could have happened? Some some uh, preliminary uh, information about this is now coming out um, that suggests that the controls might have been locked, or at least the elevator controls might have been locked. Um, either of you guys have any more insights into this, or Jeb, is this, are you following this at all? Not not necessarily following it, I, mainly because I've got some other distractions ongoing. But but you pretty much nailed it. I mean. Um, the, the runway at Hanscom is certainly capable of handling a G4. Um, the crew um, accelerated down the runway. Uh, at some point, um, they aborted and did not have enough runway to stop. and ended up basically in a drainage ditch that broke apart the airplane and it burned and everybody on board died. Yeah. Um, the uh, evidence uncovered so far, <clears throat> and we have to keep in mind that uh, this is a preliminary report, not a final, uh, but the evidence so far seems to indicate that uh, the controls were locked, or at least, as you say, the elevator control was locked. And that's just I a big, big, big head-scratcher. Um, this was a, a Part 91 operation, I'm told, um, in, in a privately owned G4. Um, but you, you, you're still talking about a professional crew. Yeah, uh, and and the aircraft had been operated that day and flown into Hanscom earlier in that day. Uh, it's it's just a, a mind-boggling head scratcher. How how can a crew do something like that? Well, and yeah, and 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 that's all I have to say. I know. I mean, it's <clears throat> it's yet another one of those basic piloting skill things that they teach you from the very first lesson ever. All right, you know, is that they teach you when you're in the run-up area, you exercise the controls. All right. 
and um, and according to the so the the way the reason NTSC NTSB excuse me um, um, suspects this control lock situation is that uh, they uh, they got flight recorders on these aircraft and the flight recorder indicated that the the the, the out, let me see if I get this right the data that came out of the flight recorder was consistent with the elevator controls being locked. Um, not only at the time of the takeoff roll, but they said there was no indication that they exercised the controls in the run-up area. Right. Um, and so th- this is sort and, of the, the smoking gun, if you will, bad, bad, well, the, bad uh, metaphor. But what, uh, makes this, what really makes this a head-scratcher is that the mechanical lock uh, lever in the cockpit was found in the off position. Unlocked. Unlocked. Yeah. Uh, so on the right side of the pedestal. Uh so it, it it was not engaged to lock at that location, but that doesn't mean that it carried throughout. Yeah. Uh, there's a discrepancy between the setting of the flap handle in the cockpit and the actual data from the uh, digital flight data recorder on what the flap setting was during the takeoff roll. Uh, then you have data showing that the airplane got to 165 knots before and that's pretty well after v1 and rotate uh for that airplane and those the weight it was operating at for that day before they decided to try to start aborting the takeoff uh in flight uh the flight data showed the brakes on they found skid marks uh they got thrust reverser deployment at 100 knots and by that time, they were so far past the end of the runway and disintegrating. There are so many confusing elements to this. And I, I'm with Jeb. I, I'm having a hard time with the concept that the same crew that flew the airplane in, that flew the airplane regularly, would overlook a, a simple thing like the control locks. Uh, them not doing the full rotation, the full movement of the control things. That I find a little more believable. Uh, yeah, I guess you can get so blasé and so comfortable in aircraft, but I just you know again it's it's one of those things they teach you from lesson one. You know, it's like it's like the triple seven that crashed in San Francisco. How could you not be monitoring airspeed on final? All right, well I guess it's different when you're flying big iron, but and sometimes the you know like that that was supposed to be their last flight of the day. They were going back. They were they were going to be home. done yeah. for the day. Yeah, uh, I think everybody was kind of going. Okay, it's been a day. Now we're done. Uh, this is the easy one. Yeah, right. Uh, and, that, and that happens. And in a crude environment, you know, I have you know little to no time in crude environments. But in a crude environment, it's you know you get complacent. You say, well, you know, that's the other guy's job, or or something like that. And or there's an interruption in the in the flow in the checklist flow. And I uh, say, uh, oh, yeah, okay, yes, thanks, thanks, ground control. All right. Is this this checklist is complete? Let's move on to the next one, and uh, it's not complete. Yeah, and uh, yeah. you miss stuff. Yeah, and you know so, it even happens in single pilot environment. It clearly, obviously, happens in single pilot environments. But in a crude environment, in some ways, it's more susceptible. Yeah, and the thing is, it, it this happens with such great frequency, and we hear so little about it because it's the good fortune of the people who suffer these incidents to get out alive with no harm, no foul. 
right. they catch it, they correct it before it does damage to anything. And the ones that get shook up enough by the event, mm-hmm. we read about in callback. Right. right. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, a uh, tragic thing, and, uh, you know, time will tell if we learn more about re- what actually happened. You know, our speculations are probably way off base, or yeah, maybe, yeah. but... Um, Gulf Stream Fours just don't run off the runway. Yeah, it, it, it was, it's a as you said a real head scratcher. So, um, you know, we we may come back to this in the future as as more is learned. Anyways, David, uh, one final thing before we go take a break here. Um, uh, another sad thing. Tell us a little bit about Ed Swearingen. Am I pronouncing his last name right? Swearingen. That's that's the name. And uh, before he was a villain on the on the HBO series Deadwood. See, I was making that connection, too, yeah, but uh, I don't think it was Ed Swearingen. Ed Swearingen was one of the geniuses of aircraft design and high-performance flying. Uh, He passed back in mid-May, and he was around for a whole big chunk of the 20th century. Uh, A lot of people may not be as familiar with his name now as they were in the heyday of things like the Fairchild Metro uh, and uh, his home-built design, uh, the uh, the S-300 or his jet, the SJ-30. Uh, the SJ-30 is back now as a cyber jet. It was actually the first airplane designed around a Williams FJ-44. Mm-hmm. And what a remarkable airplane he designed for those engines. The airplane could have full tanks, full fuel, cruise close to Mach 0.8, and fly 2,400 miles nonstop in a cabin with a 1,200-foot altitude. Just nothing else comes close to it, yet the, the challenges of bringing something brand new to market against powerhouses like uh, Cessna and Beach uh, – it never really got the legs under it. It should. I'm glad to see it back. Ed was a hell of a guy. Uh, really funny. We met him. Uh, the last time we met him was at the Paris Air Show in uh, 91 where he was introducing the SJ-30. Uh, and uh, he also had a little hand in trying to work on uh, Supersonic, if I remember right, for Gulfstream. Uh, wonderful guy. And sorry to see him go, but his uh, imprint's going to live on a lot longer. Every time you see a Metro out there hauling night cargo, that's a Swearingen airplane. Or you see his SX-300 at the uh, at, at the Oshkosh event uh, in July. That's Ed Swearingen. Yeah. Okay, well, we got to take a break. Uh, we'll be back in just a couple minutes. The participants on this podcast are appearing as private individuals. Their comments don't reflect the views of the various organizations they work with. Also, anything, 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 absolutely anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operation. Is obviously, obviously very general in intention. You should remember your training, consider your situation, and fly the aircraft. But you knew that. Hi, this is Jack. We've said it before, and it bears repeating, that maybe the most pleasant surprise of doing this podcast all these years has been meeting our listeners at fly-ins and just wandering around at airports. 
you talking with us and sharing your aviation experiences has helped us broaden our knowledge and enjoyment of flying. Thank you. And I'd be lying if I didn't say that we also appreciate the financial support we get from our listeners. For information on how you can make a donation to this podcast, see the Uncontrolled Airspace homepage and the box in the right-hand column labeled Tip Jar. It doesn't need to be very much. Just 10 or $15 over the span of a year is a big, big help. So thanks for listening, and please make sure you track us down and say hi at the next fly-in. Listener in the uh, forums uh, uh, took note of the fact that both of you guys have been writing a lot for uh, AEA's various publications. And uh, the secret's out. Yeah, well, I think we've, yeah, right. Uh, he said, uh, let's see now, where is it here? Uh, this is a listener, a Wicked Purple in the forum, said, Tonight I found a copy of Avionics News. The infima- info in the magazine is awesome, and I want to get it every month. I tried looking at AEA's website, but it seems that co- only companies can join and get the magazine. Is there a way for me to join, too? Um, and so we don't have a complete answer for this yet. We were talking about this offline, and we, we're going to get a more complete answer for how individuals can, might be able to get uh, the printed copy of the AEA uh, news, but um, we did want to just kind of. So, where Jeb, you're the one I think who figured out um, the the first idea of where individuals can get the magazine. We can get it online. Get it online, uh, yeah, via the AEA.net website. Um, once it loads, there's a, a menu bar. One of the menu items is publications. The first item under that is. Uh, avionics news and you click on that and you can bring up the current issue and you can navigate around and and uh, look at past issues things like that so it's 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 all available free of charge you don't need to join AEA I'm sure they'd uh, uh, be happy for you know to consider membership but uh, uh, right now I'm not aware of a mechanism where individuals uh, can join directly, but right. uh, it's sort of an industry organization. It's, exactly, yeah. exactly. It's a, it's a business trade association. So, Dave and or I will will research that and and we'll try to get back and and, and give a report. But in the meantime, it's all there. And uh, in, yeah. in, in you know, and who who did the cover story on the current issue? I did. Oh, well, oh. June the June issue. I don't know if the one that's there if, today is uh, is the, the one cover that's story there today. I think is is the um, uh, is that June issue. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, so, so from one end of the spectrum of uh, journalistic integrity to the other, I guess that's, that's as good a segue as I got. I'm sorry. This is just discouraging and disgusting, and I just even you know. So a couple of days ago, yesterday, the day before, um, a story on the front page of USA Today. Um, it's just, just I even I, I'm just speechless. This is such a bad article. It's uh, I, I don't even I'm reluctant to even bring up the headline. Let's see what's the headline because the headline just you know sets the tone for the whole thing as being safety last lies and cover ups mask roots of small plane carnage. Subhead is hidden defects linked to small aircraft crashes over five decades. A USA Today investigation shows. Um, <laughs> this is just you know this is just yeah, this is like you know. I don't know. I, I, I obviously I'm speechless here. Um, and and my recollection is this is not the only time in our eight years of doing this podcast that USA Today has done one of these breathless stories um, about general aviation. All right, that took two or three somewhat accurate stats and just recast them and presented them in the wrong wrong light, in inaccurate light, 
and and trash general aviation and boy they've done a big job at it here um you know and and everybody obviously everybody in the aviation world is standing up and now i'm starting to see uh, publications in the non-aviation world that are starting to stand up and say mm-hmm. this is just wrong this is just yeah. just just presented in a skewed way in order to and and inaccurately not just presented with a particular spin but presented inaccurately this is a wrong story and uh, sadly most many many people will never get that message um, exactly what, what are your thoughts yeah, on this whole thing i can pretty much guarantee that uh, uh, us first of all the story is a three-parter it concludes today oh it isn't oh. Yeah, it's okay. a three-part. There was another, you know, front-page uh, article yesterday, and I'm sure I haven't seen today's USA Today, and nor nor will I go out of my way to pick it up. Uh, but uh, as I say, a lot of people are going to get exposed to this, and I think it's pretty safe to say that USA Today will not be printing uh, alternate viewpoints or retractions or anything like that. Yeah, uh, much to their discredit, I would add. But uh, you know, you raise a good point. Um, whether it's USA Today or, or some other publication, you know, every five to ten years or so, there's, you know, some, some sensationalistic hackery that, that makes it out of the general media that, that talks about uh, how general aviation is dangerous and unsafe and immoral and fattening. And, um, or, or there's, a, you know, a, 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 a very visible story associated perhaps with a crash. There was the Payne Stewart thing. There was the JFK Jr. thing. There was, you know, any number of other episodes where, you know, GA gets painted in a, in a bad light. This is just simply the latest one. Um, the industry will correct the record. They will point out all the flaws in the story, but the damage will have been done because the people who read this will not be reading um, the the uh, the follow up and the and the uh, um, uh, I won't say retributions but the uh, uh, responses and rebuttals. Yeah, so, and that's that's the that's the problem. That's and that's the, um, David. What's your take on this whole thing? Uh, same crap, different day. Right. Uh, popular media has been doing this to to GA for decades. Uh, there's no amount of correcting them or logic that will stop this when you have institutions that claim to be doing journalism essentially doing a concept story where they say, you know, it looks like there's an awful lot of little airplane crashes. They've got a terrible safety record. Let's do a story about how bad that is and not let anything that doesn't reinforce that idea penetrate the story veil not in the narrative on the research uh, we were had the misfortune to have firsthand experience with this phenomenon with ABC's 2020 during my short stint with the aircraft owners and pilots association back in 1983 uh, ultralights were all the rage uh, National Geographic had just done a beautifully illustrated, lovingly researched, personally flown story. That is, the writer learned to fly ultralights. Uh, so did the photographer. Uh, they spent a year and a half on this. 
2020's host at the time was a gentleman named Hugh Downs. Uh, ask your parents. They'll remember him. Uh, big-time sailplane pilot, very active in the soaring community. Uh, they were part of the movement to have ultralights outlawed, banned, because they were the singular most dangerous, uh, what was the word they want, uh, vehicular accommodation man ever invented. And I kept thinking, you know, even worse than chariots. But let's go back. I, I'm sure Hugh's old enough to remember chariots. So uh, we set up. They contacted us at AOPA. They'd used some of my glider rider writings for research at ABC. We set up an interview in person with John Baker, then the president of AOPA. They spent an hour and a half with John, uh, about 30 minutes of it off camera, just conversation, then about an hour on camera. Uh, then they wrapped up. John left. They reset the camera, and I noticed the producer and the talent, such as he was, over in a corner of the conference room where this all took place, and they're brainstorming new questions and hmm. writing them down on a legal pad. And I said, gee, uh, did you guys want to ask those questions to John? Because I'm sure I could get him back here. He only lives a couple of miles away. Uh, oh, no, 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 no. This is, uh, these, these aren't for John. Uh, 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 these are just for cutaways. Really? Okay. I called my immediate supervisor, who was the TV expert in our office, and said, what's a cutaway? And he goes, oh, that's where they set the camera up and show the guy asking questions. So we start recording this, and the guy sits down in front of the camera, the talent, and he starts asking questions that my notes tell me are going to match up to answers John gave to other questions. But these questions are going to make it sound much more damaging because right. they right. never asked these questions. So I let them do their thing, and I walked up to him, and I replayed my tape. I said, this, guys, goes to our lawyers tomorrow goes to your producers tomorrow uh, and if any of this crap winds up on the air you'll be hearing from our law office because unless you want to get John back here and ask those questions I suggest that you abandon whatever you think you're going to do with them uh, scared, pissed you name it story came out around Thanksgiving not a word from AOPA in it, none of the interview none of the exculpatory information that we gave him. There wasn't a single accident that they called a horror of safety mm -hmm. that was not at least two, two and a half years past when they did their research and the issues that were brought up by it had already been corrected. Right. USA right. Today seems to have followed that model exactly. Yeah. Well, they came up with a concept. They did the research for it. When they found out that the numbers that they wanted... We're showing a major safety improvement in the last 10 years, and particularly over the last 20 years. They had to go back 50 years mm -hmm. to come up with an aggregate number that would shock people. They're not journalists. They're hacks. And my name's Dave Higdon. I live in Wichita, Kansas. I'm very easy to find. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I yeah. can, you know, just, I'm sorry, Jeb, did you want to? I was just going to say, I had occasion to uh, uh, this week when this this came out to uh, um, be um, uh, working with some people who uh, are you know kind of sort of on the on the cutting edge of, of some of this on, on GA safety, 
one individual in particular um, is a, an accident investigator and um, uh, is familiar with um, both the accidents highlighted in this story and some of the um, people who um, uh, worked uh, in the uh, work in the court system uh, to uh, present testimony, um, perhaps uh, uh, involving uh, the lawsuits associated with some of these accidents. And the stories he was telling me about falsified credentials, uh, inflated experience, um, 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 misleading testimony in depositions, things of this sort associated with some of the information in this story, in this USA Today story, was uh, um, both enlightening uh, and uh, um, unfortunate, but also kind of uh, par for the course for this kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, a second, a second uh, comment has to do with a um, uh, similar tale to what Dave just related uh, regarding the 2020 story from back in the 80s. Um, the reporter who, and I use the word reporter between finger quotes, who, uh, whose name is attached to this story, uh, stated, you know, they, they stated that this was a year-long effort uh, researching this and whatnot, well, it's been within the last month or so that uh, the reporter contacted the PR person for one of the name brand uh, uh, aviation organizations uh, and uh, was asking a bunch of questions. And uh, reportedly from, from people who uh, uh, are associated with that organization and, and, and know the individual involved, the, the reporter reportedly got about halfway through the interview and said, stop, you're not giving me what I want. <laughs> yeah. You're not giving me the information I want. Um, and, you know, where's this, where's that, where's the other thing? And it was clear to the, um, the association PR person that there was an agenda involved here. Yeah. And, and a lot of that information, if not all of it, was not included in the story. So the question then becomes, all right, so what's, what's the agenda? Yeah. And That's why, what, why this timing? I know. This is I, what, can't, I can't answer the latter question as to why this timing, but I can kind of shed some light on the former question. And if you look at, the, you know, the, from, at this from the 30,000-foot perspective, yeah. talking about manufacturers... Uh, building defective airplanes and 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 selling defective parts for those airplanes, you would tend to maybe come away from that with an impression that um, the people who are floating such a concept might have something to gain by these parts and these aircraft having been found defective. Yeah, and you would tend to then conclude that maybe. This has something to do with the products liability uh, litigation profession, and and people, you know, maybe litigating uh, aircraft accidents to uh, uh, recover from those manufacturers. I'm just speculating. See, oh, okay, I, yeah, because I, yeah, that, 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 I mean, that's I don't have any particular uh, hypothesis here, but. 
Yeah, it's it just like I it just I can't, can't imagine what what's motivating them here. You know, and oh, some would say someone say they want to sell newspapers, and they certainly are trying to sell newspapers. But it just feels like there's more to it than that. It feels like there's an axe that they're trying to grind here. And Jeb has proposed one potential hypothesis. I, I you know, well, I uh, I don't disagree with Jeb, but I really think the root of this is somebody got a bug up their butt which happens about this periodically. Somebody they knew, uh, a story that sounded particularly uh, bad to them, uh, they do a superficial look at numbers and say, you know, oh, my God. I mean, do you realize that you can fly around in a 70-year-old airplane without shoulder harnesses because the FAA didn't make that 70-year-old airplane retrofit with shoulder harnesses? That's that, that that's derelict. That's yeah. and, and you know it's it, it's interesting you you raise that issue. One of the things that I kind of keep my hand in, I don't I won't say my hand, but one of the things that, that interests me and I, I kind of sort of pay attention to as needed or as uh, as available is the vintage car, the antique car industry. And and uh, I have a friend of mine, for example, who has a a '68 Ford uh, convertible that uh, he's trying to sell and. And you know, you look in the pictures of it, and it's got lap belts. And I'm right. old. I'm old enough to remember when seat belts were an option yeah. in a new in a yeah. new car. Okay, and this particular car does have the lap belts because I think by '68 they were required as standard equipment. But it doesn't have shoulder harnesses. It doesn't have airbags. It doesn't have uh, uh, any kind of a passive restraint system. It has the require. It has the the equipment that was required when the vehicle was manufactured, um, but there's no requirement to retrofit airbags right. or passive restraints or shoulder harnesses to that vehicle, and it's completely legal to operate. It's it's is it as safe as a modern vehicle? No, it's it's not. Yeah. Um, but this, that doesn't mean that it was. It's defective. It doesn't mean that it's a death trap. Well, we have a defective story here, exactly. and if right. and if I could issue uh, newsworthiness directives to this on the basis of an AD, yeah, uh, I would say that it needs balance. It needs full uh, play on the statistics, not just uh, out of context. Uh, bite grabs uh it needs some second voices it needs for the readers to know about things like uh supplemental type certificates and uh airworthiness directives that have uh, re- have improved a lot of these airplanes a tremendous amount over the years the uh, people need to know about how manufacturers build in advances without them actually being required right mm-hmm. right but now uh, you know, but that's a little esoteric i i you know, what I would like to say is that to our listeners who are, are obviously, you know, p- pilots or aviation fans, um, that, you know, y- you can tell your friends who are non-aviation people that this story is just wrong, all right? This story is just full of, of inaccuracies. Well, and you can uh, send them the link that we'll have with the show notes from the Huffington Post. The uh, Huffington Post story is very good, um, written by an authority who points out many of the of the, of the the uh, inaccuracies and, and, and skewed bits of information and, there, and, and, and certainly Visit refer- AO, 
AOPA, EAA, right. NBAA, Gamma. Uh, and I think we're going to endeavor to put a bigger list in, in than normal in our show notes yeah. of, of a variety of sources that are outlining the ways in which this story is inaccurate. Because, you know, I mean, the damage is done. Now what we need to do is get the word out to our non-aviation friends that this is just, just wrong. This is just, yeah. you, you can just disregard this story. It's well, just, and, and unfortunately, the downside of what we're encouraging people to do it's just what they freaking want. This is going to drive clicks to their yeah. website. It's going to drive. And that, to but that's website. unavoidable. Now we need to kind of get the word out that this. Yeah, is, when people read this, they need to know that if this was a snowstorm, we would be up to the hairline on the top of our head. Yeah. In yeah. blowing snow. In blowing snow. Um, moving on. I yeah. Think. Well, well, one one thing real quick. Yeah, Jeb. Go ahead. Before we do leave this is. Um, this is the kind of thing that just, you know, what's wrong with uh, mass media and, and general media when it comes to um, talking about a technical subject. Um, and it's it's easy to, to scrape the surface as, as this is done, but once you get beyond um, that level of, of uh, investigation or that level of uh, evidence, um yeah, the the actual evidence that you dig down and, and find doesn't meet your narrative, so you you stop digging and then you just write and report what you what you have uh, yeah. discovered that meets the narrative, and life isn't that simple, um, the real world isn't that simple, and any time that you you think it is, then you know you're a you're probably wrong. B you need to do some more digging. Uh, Second real quick point is uh, it's, it's easy to, to, by extension, then conclude that other stories about other topics that um, scrape the surface are probably wrong or, or lacking in factual detail also. And that is what um, I conclude from this. Um, I, I've long ago uh, given up reading McPaper, um, but and this is one of the reasons why uh, it's it's not um, it's not helpful to uh, understanding various topics and unfortunately that's that's often true for for general media. The final thing I will I will point out is throughout the article it uses the phrase amateur pilot. Mm. Bring that shit to me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I uh-huh. may not. I, I may not be a professional in the sense that <clears throat> I don't fly for money, but I'll stack up my skills, my training, my ability, and my re- track record against anybody else's. So take that amateur and put it where the sun don't shine. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, the times two. Yeah. Okay. Everything he said. Moving on. Moving on. So over the last couple episodes, um, we we uh, completed uh, AOPA's uh, quiz, air, airplane personality quiz, uh, where it asked us a whole lot of lifestyle and, and aviation uh, interest questions. And based on the answers to those questions, it, it told each of us what our ideal or what our what airplane met our personality, or I forget exactly how they put it. And and just to refresh everyone's memories, um, the answers came out that uh, that I I was a Cessna one eighty two. Uh, David, you were a Diamond DA40. 
Correct. Uh, and Jeb, you were a Mooney 201. And now uh-huh. AOPA has published the sort of collected results of this of this uh, quiz, uh, as personality quiz. And it turns out, Jeb, you are the guy, all right? It turns out that out of uh, 38,000, almost 40,000 uh, people who completed the quiz, a quarter of them, not over a quarter, 10,000 respondents picked uh, ended up being the Mooney 201. So... Uh, <laughs> I don't know whether that's good or bad, Joe. I don't know if you're proud or not proud of that, Jeff, but you are mainstream. You are mainstream. I don't know if I am or not. Uh, it's it's interesting that they went to so much trouble to quantify the results. Yeah, it is. And excuse me. They uh, and perhaps also interesting uh, a bit ironic is that the number 2 airplane in terms of the number of people who ended up being this airplane um, was far behind the 10,000 people who were the Mooney. 4,000 was number 2 and that was the Beechcraft Bonanza, which in a manner of speaking, is your airplane. All right? Exactly. exactly. Um, so um, it's... Uh, uh, I, I would, you're right I, up there, Jeb. You're like almost half the respondents. Is you, I've, I've got half the market covered with one airframe. I hey, know. How yeah. about that? You know, but I, I would speculate that um, the, the major difference um, between the Bonanza and the Mooney... Uh, you know, we're obviously talking in generalities here because there's all kinds of different versions of both airframes. Um, but the, one of the major differences would be frugality, uh, economy, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, the the Mooney is more economical um, it, 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 to move that same airframe the same distance at the same speed. It burns less fuel. Um, um, the responsiveness, uh, handling qualities, all that kind of thing are similar. Um, but there's, you know, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to beat this dead horse. But you know, there's a reason there's a difference between the two airplanes. And I, I got to give it to Dave Hirschman, the AOPA pilot senior editor who helped create the quiz. Uh, he said you can trace. <laughs> I know. Go ahead. I, I, this just makes me laugh so much. After the AOPA wine club folded. You can trace the Mooney's popularity to the fact that so few pilots are willing to splurge on a $50 bottle of wine. That's right. Because that was one of the questions in the quiz. Was That was uh, one of the questions in the quiz. And more of the, yes, I'd buy a $50 bottle of wine affirmers uh, picked the Bonanza as well. So uh, I, I see that as, a, and interestingly enough, the prior president owned and flew a Bonanza. So I see a little thread through that but <laughs> anyways so jeb you're mainstream mainstream jeb there we go possibly oh, a title, huh? damning with faint praise <laughs> <laughs> shout outs what do we got here shout outs there's a couple of interesting things here that i i let's see now um uh, well, you know what? Let me start out with a sort of shout out, and that is to uh, kind of update people on uh, UCAP at AirVenture 2014. Uh, we're about five weeks out right now from uh, at least our arriving in Oshkosh. We arrive a little bit earlier than many people, um, but uh, uh, we're going to be there once again uh, in force. UCAP is, and uh, just to kind of summarize some of the things, um, we are going to be uh, we've just this week finalized plans to do our preview episode uh, from the grounds of uh, AirVenture. Uh, last year, we were in the Welcome Center tent, and we had some special guests. This year, um, because we're uh, so excited about this project, uh, we've arranged to be in the uh, One Week Wonder tent, uh, which is the tent where throughout the week they're going to be building a, uh, uh, what is it, a Zenith uh, aircraft. And uh, <laughs> Thank uh, you, Charlie. Yeah, and so uh, that's great. Dick. 
We're going to be in that tent. Uh, we're going to be recording this on Saturday. Unfortunately, um, there you can't get on the grounds this day, so we can't have people come by and watch. But we are going to record it from the tent. We're going to have some special guests, and and that will be kind of cool. Probably be be posted that day, Saturday, or maybe the Sunday, the next day. Um, we're going to be doing. Our um, usual, our kind of annual and now traditional uh, closing day episode from the uh, flight line. Uh, we'll be back on the announcer stand once again this year. Uh, so that'll be on uh, closing day Sunday of, of AirVenture. We'll be doing UCAP dailies uh, most every day, certainly on every day that we don't do a regular episode. We'll do a UCAP daily. So there'll be a lot of the shorter episodes. So basically, you'll see some UCAP content every day uh, during during AirVenture 2014. And once again, we'll be doing our tie-down party on uh, Thursday evening uh, over at the uh, Super 8 gate uh, over on the uh, north side of the airport from about 6 p.m. until dark. And uh, that'll be a lot of fun. We, uh, we, we love it. We, al- we always have a good time with that. We and do. Always- we do. Uh, I always and, enjoy meeting our listeners, and and, and, and I hear that there's everything. a thing going to happen there. I, I maybe I shouldn't say this because it may it may fall through, but uh, but uh, we have some friends and listeners who have a a, a plot a brewing. We'll see if that turns out. But uh, um, yeah, you'll have to you have to brief me on that. Yeah, I'll, I'll brief you guys, but otherwise we're gonna have to, you're gonna have to wait and see. Um, and then uh, on a personal note, um, uh, my work with around the field uh, will uh, also be uh, beefed up a bit this year at Air Venture. Um, I'm going to be doing um, a fair amount of around-the-field stuff from AirVenture, I hope, I plan. Um, if you want to, uh, subscribe to my mailing list over at aroundthefield.net. Um, you can add my blog to your RSS feed reader, or you can follow uh, not only me, Jack Hodgson, on Twitter, but ra- follow Around the Field on Twitter uh, for information. Um, we're going to be doing a lot of, of other sorts of, of, uh, of coverage um, and uh, online coverage from AirVenture. So uh, that's that's uh, a, a bit of an of a overview of the things that are going to be happening uh, from all of us at Air. Do you guys have any particular, you know, now obviously uh, we're all going to be writing for the newspaper, so uh, right, if you're right. out there, you should be uh, watching Air Venture Today newspaper um, or reading it online if you're not in town. That'll be cool. And, and anything else you guys want to plug about your activities at, at Air Venture or that's enough? That's enough for me, yeah. Yeah. It makes me I, tired just thinking about I know. it. I That's only, what, four weeks? Five weeks until we arrive in town, yeah. So Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's coming up fast. David? Uh, no, I'm good. Okay, that's, that's the first shout out. Uh, uh, other shout outs, David, Jeb, shout outs. Either anything from the list or, or, or anything? I've got one. When, yeah, when, Jeb. when the time's appropriate. Well, this requires a little bit of a setup. Um, I think we've talked about this in the past, and Jack, you're certainly you certainly have seen it firsthand, and and Dave, I think you did too when you were down uh, earlier this year. Uh, topic being the uh, the uh, uh, sandhill cranes that nest in my backyard. Yeah. Okay, so, Jack, you're familiar with the fact that um, the sandhill cranes uh, have been nesting uh, on the island in my backyard uh, and uh, uh, in, in the earlier part of the year yep. and uh, laid some eggs, and uh, one of the eggs hatched, and uh, um, the, uh, the offspring, shall we say, um, uh, survived and left the island and, and all this kind of thing. Well, the last, I don't know, couple of months or so has been kind of really kind of fascinating to watch this. Um, they've been coming back to the island pretty much every night uh, and nesting on the island overnight and then leaving the following morning and going wherever the wherever it is they go. This is a, basically a family of three. There's two adults and there's the adolescent. Well, the adolescent... Um, um, is, is growing by leaps and bounds. It's, it's as big as the smaller of the two adults last time I saw it. Um, 
And every evening they'll, you know, kind of saunter back into the backyard and walk around the lake a little bit and then, and then uh, uh, swim over to the island and, and make, their, make their bed for the evening. Mm-hmm. Um, I started notice, started paying some attention to this. So lately um, the, um, the adults will um, fly from the yard over to the island. And the adolescent... Um, I, I'm going to start calling him Junior. Okay. okay. J- junior yeah. uh, is, has been left behind. Oh, really? And, yeah. And, and, Home alone. Uh, left behind in the yard to kind of sort of figure out his own way to get to the island. Yeah. And invariably, early on anyway during this, he would have to swim. Well, there was a couple of occasions where Junior has tried to fly. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. how cool. And one of them, I, and I have a witness, I had a, I had a friend visiting one evening to see this. Um, one evening, Junior uh, took off uh, in, a, in, a, in a running start, kind of spasmatically flapping his or her wings, and got a little bit of lift out of all this and ended up in the lake. Just, just smack, crash, out of control, boom, in the lake. <laughs> it was the funniest thing I'd seen uh, in a long, long time. Um, uh, literally wet, he and frustrated, got it, you know, climbed itself out of the lake, not on the island side, but on the yard <laughs> yeah. side. Oh, okay. crap, I'm still over here. Yeah, I'm st- and, and is, you know, is, is you know, uh, uh, drying off, and it's like, Damn, I still got to do this all over again. <laughs> uh, it's just the funniest thing, and I've seen this twice, you know, be- since then. Um, of of Junior um, struggling to get airborne, he covered like fifty yards one afternoon, one evening, uh, trying to get off the ground and trying to imitate his his parents and whatnot and doing all this. But I, the, the parallels to uh, learning to fly and and crashing and burning and all that are just are just so so cute and and it's just amazing to watch this uh in literally in the wild watching a, a bird of this this size and this uh, uh this stature learn mm-hmm. to fly and it it's just so reminiscent of of everything that uh i was i had gone through back in my primary training days and and uh, it was just a fun thing, and I just thought I'd comment. That's on that. very cool. I, I, I wish I had pictures or videos. I know, huh? So, have you witnessed Junior successfully flying yet? I have not. This was all pretty much uh, last week. Last weekend was the last uh, thing I noticed, uh-huh. and uh, um, I've seen uh, on occasion. Uh, I've seen Junior even you know ten days or so ago swimming across the the lake to get to the island for the evening, and I've been out of town and doing other stuff, and I haven't been paying attention, so I don't know Junior's status as a pilot. Yeah, well, if you if you learn any more, we'd love to hear it. I was wondering I, I, where you were I, going I, with this. I, yeah. Although I'm interested in this Sandhill Crane story, I'm thinking where how does this relate to the podcast? But that's great. The first yeah. flight for Junior's first flight. That's great. Junior's, junior's first flight. Very cool. Very cool. There is no better GA than birds it's well, fun to watch them fly it's no wonder that uh, you know what's his name wrote the uh, richard bach wrote the uh, uh-huh. somewhat somewhat corny story way back when but, uh, um, but i guess i guess the punchline to me is 
and, and maybe some of our listeners are, are, you know, primary students and they're having trouble with this, that, or the other thing as part of their training, yeah. you know, crosswind landings or, or stalls or something like that. Yeah. And I guess the punchline is, here's a bird, guys, even guys and gals. Here's a bird who hasn't gotten it right, right. yet. Yeah, so, so, so don't feel so discouraged. Stick with it. Stick with yeah. it. So. Very cool. Very cool. Flying is, flying is an unnatural act. Uh, yeah, right. What else? David, it turns out you have breaking news for us here. You make the teletype noise. Da, 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 da. What have you discovered, David? Oh, well, it uh, turns out that, uh, according to our good friend Jeff Hill so at the Aircraft Electronics give... Association, yeah. it's possible to go on to the AEA.net website and fill out a subscription request for Avionics News Magazine without joining the association. So you can sign up for the news. So be interesting. That's what he said. I don't know. You know, it's like, are they going to get like two subscription requests or or two hundred? I don't. This will be interesting. Well, stat that's here. yeah. That's and uh, well, if they get two hundred, maybe they'll decide that they need to do something for the general public that balances the mailing and printing costs. Yeah. So now we're. How, let's see how we find this here. I'm at aea.net. Okay, okay, I can tell them. I you find it? Okay. okay. AEA.net. Yeah. Okay, just as we t- described earlier in the podcast, the, the menu bar, yeah. publications. Publications. Avionics News. Avionics News. Scroll down to the link that says, ding, 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 subscription information. And Oh, it's sort of almost at the bottom. Yeah, okay. Almost at the bottom. Yeah. And um, new subscriptions, uh, new subscription within North America. Click the link. Oh, there you go. And boom, there you go. Problem solved. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Other shout-outs. What do we got? Uh, I got a quick one for our friends in Austria at uh, BRP Products, uh, the makers of the uh, originally Bombardier Rotax engine. And for all those guys 25 years ago who so earnestly explained to me that I obviously misjudging this this small engine stuff because there won't be a 912 Rotax in five years. It's set up wrong. It's too complicated. It's too small. An 80 horsepower TBO is ridiculous. Uh, and it's too expensive. Uh, well, 25 years, 50,000 912 series engines later, uh, with TBO at 2,000 hours and it being by far the dominant engine in the light sport movement and the light experimental movement of the last 20 years. Nini nani nuni to all those guys that were just so so yeah. much smarter than those of us that were coming in from the ultralight and hang gliding in because obviously we just don't understand what we're getting into. Yeah, you know, which is kind of a long-winded way of saying happy birth, happy 25th birthday to the Rotax engine. Exactly. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. And I got a tiny other little one. You'll have a link. You'll have a link to uh, a YouTube video from. Uh, some folks, some ladies who go by the uh, group named Fretless Bar Girls. Yeah, this is now this is a music video. Just so everyone's it's a clear. music video. <laughs> it's, an avi- it's a music aviation video. Yes, it's cool. It's fun. Uh, called the Beaver Ballad, which I know will certainly titillate some a of your family-oriented music video. All right, but yeah, this is about clear. the De Havilland Beaver. Yeah. No, it's and a very cool it's video. Just a lot of great fun. fun. Yeah, so, it is. I agree completely. Yeah, well, and, and uh, that's all I'm going to say. Check that one out. You could probably also search for it in YouTube. But uh, um, 
thank you guys. I appreciate it. It's always fun talking with you. It's been a little while. And so we kind of went, <laughs> I was going to say we can't run long. We always run long. Uh, Jeb, Jeb is a uh, freelance aviation writer and editor serving as the editor in chief of aviation safety magazine. Jeb, what have you been working on? Anything fun? Um, kind of between issues right now, getting geared up to, uh, to put the August issue together. Um, but, um, um, nothing really that I can or want to, uh, uh, really discuss in detail. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, yeah. trying to clear the decks to go to, go to, uh, Wisconsin. That's yeah. the other thing. Yeah. It's, uh, once I get the next, uh, issue, the August issue in the can, uh, I'm going to turn right back around and, and uh, be working on the September issue because the fuse for when I get back yeah. from Oshkosh is way too short to yeah, be able to do it I all. So. Where can people find you and all your stuff on the Internet? Uh, JEBurnside.com, AEA.net, as we discussed earlier. Uh, I'm on the Facebook thing kind of sort of once again um, and on the Twitter machine. Cool. Cool. And at Twitter you are? Burnside J. Burnside J. And Dave Higdon, thanks for taking some time. Uh, Dave is an aviation photographer, an aviation journalist, and the U.S. editor for London's World Aircraft Sales Magazine. What have you been working on, David? Uh, got a piece coming out soon in World Aircraft Sales that takes a look at what the uh, market for pre-owned business aircraft is, how it's been running, uh, and uh, got pieces in the pipeline for next month looking at aircraft finance. And one in the pipeline for AEA that looks at, I forget what. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it has something to do with avionics. I'm just speculating. I think it probably does, but, man, it's just been a little crazy a couple of weeks. Yeah, I know. Where can people find you on the Internet, David? Oh, Avionics News, it's AEA.net, and uh, click on the magazine link that we were talking about earlier, World Aircraft Sales. The uh, link is at avbuyer.com, and Aviation Safety Magazine from time to time. Yeah, and you're on the Twitter as uh, what? The Real Higdon. Yeah, just Real Higdon. Twitter slash Real Higdon. And I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a new media producer. Uh, my life's been pretty filled up lately with the day job. Um, I just got back from two weeks in Las Vegas, which is always an experience. And uh, But I survived. And uh, I like my two weeks in Las Vegas, but that's enough. And uh, so, um, but, but the day jobs can keep me pretty busy. Um, give you an example. In the, in the five weeks that we referred to between now and Oshkosh, in the next five weeks, I will be home like nine days. Uh, I've got like three jobs between now and AirVenture, so uh, it's it's going to be a crazy time. Ooh, uh. I'm going to arrive in, in, in Wisconsin just out of breath and uh, um, for – that's there. There's a joke in there someplace, um, but I have been squeezing in some aviation stuff. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I've been doing the UCAP producer thing, uh, pre- preparing for uh, UCAP at AirVenture 2014. Um, I also, as I mentioned, I'm planning some different kind of online coverage for uh, OSH 2014 through the Around the Field website, um, also via uh, its uh, occasional podcast and on Twitter. Um, and I've been working on finishing the Around the Field Volume 3 uh, uh, ebook for publication, hopefully just before Oshkosh. Um, if you want to get notified uh, when that book's out and about all that ATF stuff uh, from Oshkosh, subscribe to my email newsletter at aroundthefield.net. You can follow me at uh, twitter.com slash 
Jack Hodgson, or you can follow Around the Field at uh, twitter.com slash around the field. Uh, and in general, learn way more than you really want to know about me at jackhodgson.com. Big thanks to Jeff Ward for his help with the show notes and in the forums. Uh, thanks to uh, Mike Morgan, Royce Earl, Jim Goldman, and to the many other listeners who have created the UCAP disclaimer clips. Uh, and don't forget, you can check out the rest of the UCAP website. You can chat with us directly and with many of your fellow listeners in the Uncontrolled Airspace forums. Um, also, you can see who's doing what on the new ratings webpage of fame and much, much more. All of that is at Uncontrolled Airspace. David, is this something you were going to tell us? Live long, happy through aviation, because only in aviation can you stop time, because time spent flying is not subtracted from your flight span. Bye-bye. And that's enough talking. Let's go flying. Bye. This episode of Uncontrolled Airspace is made possible by the support of our generous listeners. For over seven years, we've been thrilled to enjoy the financial support and useful feedback of our awesome listeners. For information on how you can join the conversation in our forums, put something in the UCAP tip jar, or even become an underwriter of a UCAP episode, visit the UCAP homepage at uncontrolledairspace.com.